This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Liam Maitland, KCBS foodie chap at Maybex on Scott Street, San Francisco. Chef Blake Askew. Chef, good to see you. It's always very nice to see you, Liam. And you know, I always begin by saying, what are we drinking? What are we drinking? Oh, it's a very special drink today. We have the Ben Franklin's Milk Punch. This is actually our variation on Ben Franklin's actual recipe. That uh, it's assumed that he requ- he acquired in his time in England, actually, sure. just before he came back to yeah. the U.S. to be the postmaster general, and he started distributing this to his friends when he came back across the pond. Uh, it's a very special drink. It's uh, bourbon, rum, and brandy, all the things we hold near and dear to our hearts. Are you kidding me? Uh, with a little <laughs> bit of milk, hence the milk punch, and then it's clarified yeah. to be nice and refreshing. So it has a creamy flavor without being actually creamy. It would be naughty to just leave this sitting here, so... <laughs> Cheers, or as cheers. we say back home, well, I, from Ireland we say slancha, uh, London we say cheers. Here we go. Mm. Gosh, that does have a little punch in a good way. Yes, it does. Wow. <laughs> Let's talk about your journey, Blake, going back in time. You grew up where? Uh, I'm from Texas. I was born in East Texas in a little place called Tyler. Uh, I spent a little time in the Dallas area. Yeah. Uh, then my family moved to Illinois. Um, before I went back to Texas to go to school. So I'm very Midwestern, yeah. you could say. However, the name, Askew, Askew, British, yes. uh, there has to be a little British history, right, in your family? There is. Um, actually, both sides of my family, as far as I know, are very British. Uh, the name Askew um, is uh, specific to Northern England. There actually is a town. Up north. Up north, yes. Up north. Uh, uh, that see, was a north. You, you're like, what's he saying? <laughs> that, that was a northern accent right there. Very good. Up yeah, north, lad. Sure. Yes. <laughs> uh, near Scotland, uh, yeah. apparently, is where my... my oh, yeah, Scotland. Yeah. Like, it's very tough to understand people yeah, in I've Scotland. I've met a number of people from up there, and I, sure. I, I, it's, you wonder if they're speaking English. It makes yeah. you realize how different our dialects are. But. Uh, and, you know, dialects in England, England can change within miles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, from one town... Texas is kind of that way. I could could hardly understand some of the people in Texas, even though they were speaking English as well. (laughs) So, um, ask you, have you embarked on a pilgrimage? Is is that in your future? A pilgrimage to uh, Northern England? Yeah, back home. where my people come? I would love to, Go meet your people. I've been to England once. I was in London, and uh, I wasn't quite brave enough to... (laughs) To, to, to go on the other side of the road myself and drive all the way up there, but maybe next time I will. In your future. Yeah. Uh, and listen, uh, as we talk about your journey, there is an incredible smell before us because we happen to be here at the restaurant on Wellington Wednesdays, and you have just cooked the most amazing beef Wellington. Uh, we'll, we'll let this smell linger. We'll get into the recipe in just a moment. Uh, but your journey in food, you did not go to college to cook, but instead for music. That's right. Um, I went to school for music. I was a, I was a vocal major. Uh, just out of school, I 
I always worked in restaurants uh, because, you know, imagine that. I didn't really make much money as a singer right out of school. Sure. <laughs> Unless you become an instant overnight pop sensation. Yeah, exactly. And I was, you know, I was in, I was in Dallas, Texas at the time. So, you know, that's, uh, the opportunities are a bit limited. Yeah. Uh, but obviously there's restaurants everywhere. And that's how I worked my way through school. And that's how I, I kind of worked my way through my um, somewhat half-hearted attempt at being a, an entertainer during that time. And eventually the restaurant work really took root. And I... Just stayed with it. So I'm listening to your vocal cords, and I'm wondering, were you on the high end or the low? I was on the low end. I, I was uh, I was a baritone. I very much wanted to be a tenor, but uh, I was a baritone. So uh, American Songbook. Oh yeah, yeah. I was. I grew up listening to my parents' records and my grandparents' records. So yeah. the Rat Pack and Sammy Davis Jr. and Dean Martin and uh, Mel Torme, the whole the whole lot. That was my that was my music education growing up. And was that your was that your shtick when you would go out and perform? Were you, were you doing? Oh sure, yeah, yeah. I, I did a couple of <laughs> small time lounge acts and things like that around Dallas. Uh, very fabulous. You I, I wish I could go back in time and be a little window <laughs> into that world. Uh, I want to talk about food and food in your family. Yeah. Uh, growing up at home, uh, Texas, mm-hmm. uh, Illinois. Who was cooking in the family, and what was coming out of the kitchen? Well, usually my mother was cooking. Um, I, I grew up in a very uh, nuclear family, um, you know, very traditional. Um, my mother worked um, as well as my father, but my mother spent more time in the kitchen, um, unless it was time to grill. And again, very traditional in that sense. Uh, my father would man the grill. My mother would man the kitchen. I was pretty much usually in the kitchen baking as a child. I was really big into baking cookies, making cakes to varying degrees of success. And so uh, those, early, those early triumphs in the kitchen, uh, was it the cookies? Was it baking bread? What were your early successes that oh, you recall? Cookies. I was famous for making amazing peanut butter, co- peanut butter cookies. That was, my, that was my thing. Peanut butter cookies and chocolate chip cookies. And whose recipe? Oh, I would just make them up myself. That was, that was yeah, much to my mother's lament, I'm sure. sure. I would raid her kitchen and just start making things up all the time. Was there one dish, one thing that Mama cooked that to this day, when you have it, you think of her? Uh, good barbecued chicken. That was, it's just very simple. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I grew up in a family that was very rooted in the Midwest. We were in the Midwest. Um, you know, my parents came from, uh, their parents were around during the Depression era. Sure. So we were not a, a gourmet, or as they say these days, foodie sort of family. Yeah. We always ate very well. Did those families um, even exist when we were kids, foodie families? Well, alleg- allegedly they did. I seem to meet a lot of people who t- regale me with these amazing yeah. stories of their childhood growing up with, you know, uh, galantines and things. But I, I, that was not, you know, we had shake and bake. We had Kraft mac and cheese. Well, you we know, were very happy to have it well i was just happy to come home and say to my mom mom what do you cook what are you boiling in the bag tonight yeah exactly because <laughs> <laughs> everything was boiled Potato in a bag. Potato flakes boil in the bag the whole nine yards yeah of course but, you know comfort Bell food Vita cheese sure yeah which i still love all that to this day <laughs> it stays with you you can't yeah. shake that really mm-hmm. so yeah. first job in a kitchen first job in a kitchen was actually mcdonald's when i was 15 years old I how was that <laughs> Uh, it was an eye opener, uh, to, uh, be sure I, you know, I had had little jobs here and there working for my dad and things, but, uh, getting out there in the workforce and, and seeing the kind of nitty gritty of the, of the people that earn their living. And listen, I have to say, uh, McDonald's clearly it's a formula that works because it's a successful business model. So there must've been things that you learned in that kitchen that have stayed with you. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, the ability to multitask, the, the ability to work quickly and stay focused um, and to, to 
juggle working with the public while actually executing, you know, tasks. Fly Big Macs. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I used to working the. I remember I used to work the uh, the drive through, which was my least favorite. I liked to cook, even though there was a minimal amount of cooking. And the interactions, I'm sure, especially late at night, the drive through at McDonald's were interesting, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Again, as a 15 year old kid, uh, was uh, is quite the eye opener. Yeah. Uh, you got serious about cooking, and you got your first real break. Where exactly? Uh, I would. Say I worked a lot of different jobs once I, once I decided I wanted to really uh, buckle down and be a chef. My plan was to go to culinary school um, because I thought that's just what you do sure. if you wanted to cook professionally. But as I moved along, um, I realized that actually with other people's urging that I didn't necessarily have to do that. Yeah. Um, and one of those people was Casey Thompson, uh, who's a chef here, who's now here in the Bay Area. We love Casey. Yes. Um, Hi, Casey. <laughs> I consider the job with her that I got to be my first serious job in the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, I remember her t- telling me on one of my first days, she's like, if you look around here, you'll see a lot of people who are here for a job. She's like, I understand that you're here for a career, and that's how we're going to teach, that's how we're going to treat this. Isn't so I was very fortunate. Just just a simple line like that can really, I mean, make your ears prick up, but can stay yeah. with you. And, yeah. and, and that from her, I know, made a difference to you. Very much so. Yeah, I remember it to this day, like clear yeah. as a bell. Um, and I say that to, uh, you know, cooks that, that come through, you know, that cross my path now. It's like you kind of always see that. You can pick the people out who are just here for a job and the people that are here with a purpose, you sure. know, and that have a bigger, bigger drive. Purpose, passion, drive dedication absolutely yeah. yeah it takes all of that if you want to succeed <laughs> as a chef because wait a minute i'm still oh, working on it wait, i'm still wait, there wait know? wait and the paycheck yeah i mean you can't really be f- if you're too focused on the paycheck you're probably going to end up moving out to the front of the house if yeah, you want to stay sure. in restaurants yeah uh blake uh wolfgang puck mm-hmm. played a part in your career your journey yes. Yeah, very much so uh this was also still when i was in dallas texas um they opened a big it was a big to-do when they opened this restaurant. It's called 560 in Dallas, Texas. It's a bit of a landmark building, um, and he had not had a restaurant there before. Uh, so it was, it was very big locally in Dallas when Wolfgang came to town. Sure. Um, and I was able to get on. I got on there as a pastry cook. Um, that was just the way I was able to get my foot in the door. And then so all, those cooking, all the cooking of all those cookies really paid off. Yeah, exactly. Very much so. And making ice creams and all that kind of sure. good stuff. Um, and then I just I, I worked my way up the line. And about a year after I started there, they promoted me to be the sous chef of the restaurant. Yeah. And I, I really uh, <laughs> I had my work cut out for me. Do you have any uh, fond memories of Wolfgang? Any interactions? Oh, yeah. I mean, we used to do, I mean, he's a busy guy. He obviously wasn't in the restaurant every day. You know, he's, I think there's in the neighborhood about 32 restaurants worldwide. He's got a lot on his plate, literally. He does go between them all the time. So I saw him, I was fortunate enough to work behind the line with him a number of times. Uh, But my favorite memory of him was when we would do, each restaurant of his I worked at, we did a Chinese New Year dinner. And he would come and bring this amazing product, a lot of times from California, where I'm at now. Sure. Um, and we would cook these ducks, and it would just be this big celebration. And he was—he's a—he he likes to throw parties. Yeah. That's how he sees his restaurants, is uh, throwing a party every day. And it feels like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah he's a—he's a great guy. He, it's very inspiring to work for him. And that man has some serious energy. Yes, yes, he does. And he's getting up in years now, but yeah. he doesn't seem to be slowing down. One of my first live chef interviews I did on a morning show, uh, Cron Four, two thousand two. Wolfgang Puck was my first live chef interview and we were getting we were there at six to set up for seven and he was going to be on at 720 he showed up at six as well yeah. in fact he was waiting for us in the restaurant when yeah. we walked in and his energy boundless you know impressive yeah. 
Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's, again, very inspiring to work for him. I mean, he has an army of people that work for him as well that are so dedicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, that's a path that I could have I could have kept going down, um, but I decided to make things a little harder on myself and sure. go to independent restaurants in San Francisco. Yeah, well, rough listen, it a little longer. you have worked with some very uh, powerful, strong female chefs. Uh, they will just say they are chefs, but they have to be female. Casey Thompson, Dominique Crenn. Yes. Your takeaway, a petite Crenn working with Dominique. Oh, wow. Um, Dominique is, uh, you know, I don't use this term lightly either, but Dominique is a visionary. Um, Dominique is a very big picture person. I mean, she's certainly put in her, her time as a um, kitchen laborer over the years and has um, been a traditional chef for a very long time. But I think she's at this point really kind of moving into, she wants to change things. She yeah. wants to change the industry. Sure. You know, if you pay attention to what she's talking about lately, uh, as you mentioned, she would say she's a chef, not a woman chef. Yeah. Um, you know, just kind of getting rid of that perception um, that you need to be called a woman chef. Or nothing, will, will, nothing will rile her up more than when she's introduced as a female chef with two Michelin stars. Oh, sure, she yeah. is a chef with two Michelin stars. Now, fact is, she is the only female chef in the world with two Michelin stars. True. You know, um, she's a chef that's with a, you two know, and that's Michelin a, stars. That's a really interesting conversation. I think that will be going on for a very yeah. long time. You know, it's kind of like the chicken and the egg. You sure. know, Are there so few female chefs because they were, they were, they were pushed away in some way by an unfriendly industry? Yeah. You know, or yeah. is it that they're just now becoming to be recognized? You know? This beef, probably a little bit of both. Sure. This beef Wellington is looking at us saying, eat me. <laughs> Before we do, we are here at Maybeck's. Scott Street in the Marina, San Francisco. Define the menu here at Maybeck's. What's it all about? And what's behind the name? Well, uh, Maybeck's uh, is named in honor of Bernard Maybeck, uh, who's a, a very important architect all around the Bay Area in Berkeley, um, most notably right down the street. You can throw a stone and hit uh, the Palace of Fine Arts. Um, and that's the M in our logo as well. So we're very, it kind of roots us to the neighborhood and the place here. Uh, and pays homage to that beautiful building down the way. Um, but our food is is very American. Um, the style that we cook in um, is American in that we use techniques from different countries, uh, which also makes us very Californian. Um, our main focus, I would say, if I had to pick one here, is uh, working with purveyors and uh, farmers um, to get the best product available. I mean, we, we're very much a Californian restaurant, and that's how I see Californian food. Um, and that's what we do here. California food, but today you went British. It's Wellington Wednesdays. Tell me about this. Who came <laughs> up with it? What's it all about? Well, who came up with a Wellington? Well, that's a very good question. Oh, no, uh, with, with, a... with the idea of the notion <laughs> on Wednesdays you'd serve beef Wellington. Uh, this was uh, Eric, our chef and owner, Eric, uh, and I uh, started playing around uh, with... Uh, doing a beef wellington and eating it and trying different sauces and things and we just really wanted to put it on the menu and once we perfected it uh, we realized how much work it was uh, to produce it every single day uh, and have it as a regular menu item. Um, there's also some waste and cost issues involved with trying to keep it on hand all the time. So we thought, why not just make it a daily special? Um, and that, that's we've kind of followed suit with that as well. Yeah. Uh, it started with the Wellington Wednesday, and sure. now we have fried chicken on Tuesdays. We have uh, baby back ribs on Thursdays. We have chipino on Fridays. We have steak for two on Saturdays, and we have spaghetti and meatball Sundays. So. Listen, people love ritual. They do. Yes. Uh, and, and, and there are people who will show up every Wednesday and, listen, add me to your ranks. And, listen, I have a dear friend of mine, Tony, who's sitting in the wings here. He rarely 
wants to come and 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 be my you know right hand person on a shoot. But when he heard it was Wellington Wednesday, beef Wellington was going to be served, he's here. It's pretty irresistible, especially if you've uh, uh, if you've had it before and you're, it's something that is you're familiar with. It's yeah. a it's a comforting dish to come back to for uh, sure. This to me, just looking at this, this is a memory of home. Uh, this is something again. It was a very very special treat. Uh, we would have it usually only when we went to our rich friend's house down the road, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, our, my friend. Nigel, his mom, was a really good uh, cook. And, oh, my gosh, when we got the invite over, and sometimes it was served on a, on a Sunday. Uh, and let me tell you, I know that with one bite, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be taking a, a trip in a foodie time travel back to 1975 <laughs> when I was a kid, when I first had it. Uh, you serve this with an, uh, an amazing gravy or jus. Tell me about that. Uh, so we call this a black pepper and charred shallot sauce. Uh, so this is, it's based, uh, the base of it is a veal stock. Yep. You just make a nice classic veal stock, French style, um, with the veal bones. And then that is uh, turned into a sauce with a touch of cream. We don't skimp on the calories on this one. This is a special one. Special that's when I went for, that's when I went for a, a two and a half mile walk this morning. Yeah, yeah. A little cream, a little butter in there. And yeah. then we finish it off with uh, some charred shallots that we literally, we toss them in a little bit of brown sugar and some balsamic vinegar. And then char them till they're black and blend them into the sauce with black pepper. So it's a nice rich uh, it's basically like a rich beef gravy. Yeah. yeah. To go back to basics, what exactly is Beef Wellington? Beef Wellington is uh, a fillet of beef, which is the leanest yet most tender part of the cow. It's the same cut of beef that you would use for a fillet mignon or fillet au poivre. Uh, it's traditionally left whole, and then it's wrapped in a mushroom duck cell, uh, which is essentially a rustic mushroom puree that's done by hand sure. with lots yeah. of garlic. It's cooked down very slowly, so it takes out the moisture, and it's more like a paste that you can wrap it in. Then that's wrapped in a butter puff pastry, and it's baked, hopefully, to perfection every single time. Yeah. Oh, my word. Hope folks at home were uh, following along. We are going to share the recipe uh, so folks can give this a bash at home. Uh, and for you, what do you love most about this dish? Oh, I think what I love most about this dish is that people get excited to have it um uh, you know and we do it we do a we, we make a whole shebang of it every wednesday we do a whole presentation uh where we invite all the guests in the restaurant back to the kitchen for what we call the the ceremonial slicing of the wellington it's a little tongue-in-cheek uh it's i always thank people for humoring us when they come do you, back do you have a bagpiper no, we should get one though. That's a very good idea. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna Tony Tony, you got contacts in the bagpiping world. Tony's really into bagpipers. Uh, we'll get him on that. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, very much. Then, so. Oh, then you pipe in the beef Wellington into the restaurant. Yes, yes, that would be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Tony's nodding his head, going, "Not going to happen." It would be uh, appropriate, though. I mean, anything that would uh, lend to the to lend to the celebration. It's a celebratory oh dish. God. That's and, my favorite. Visually, thing. yeah. I mean, people may just come for the bagpiper. <laughs> well, hopefully not. Hopefully, oh, just not. kidding. So, uh, <laughs> served here uh, with some lovely spinach. Just a little cream spinach on the side. Yeah. Very traditional. Uh, we love our aged parmesan here, so it's laced with lots of aged parmesan to just add to the richness. We didn't think the beef Wellington was quite rich enough. Uh, <laughs> and of course, our lovely little medley this of is pickles a here. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, just farmers market pickles. Uh, this is our chef Eric's recipe that he's been doing for years. Uh, with a little buttermilk dressing, a.k.a. ranch, sure. uh, that we make here in-house. Uh, little baby carrots, radishes. A lot of this is from Marikita Farm in Watsonville right now. We yeah. work with Andy down there. Um, or just whatever little doodads we can find at the market. We just keep nice pickles on hand. I mean, it's, it's so colorful. Uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel bad, you know, messing this plate up. Look at this. Uh, all right. 
I'm going to invite you to uh, sure. s- stick your knife and fork in. Uh, folks, if you've just joined us, I'm at Maybex, Chef Blake, Askew, Askew. Uh, we are enjoying Beef Wellington. It is Wellington Wednesdays here at Maybex. And let me tell you, this is a journey back home for me. And the good news is all I had to do is, is venture down here to Scott Street in the marina where you'll find Maybex, uh, a knockout bar program. Uh, and the kitchen and bar working hand in hand, and you have a good wine program too. We do actually, and uh, our uh, other chef and owner—we're a very chef-run restaurant. We're chef-owned and run very much. Uh, we don't have a traditional general manager sommelier. Uh, our chef and owner Eric pretty much handles the front of the house, uh, and our. Other chef and owner, Aaron, uh, runs our pastry program as well as our wine program. Yeah. So everything here is uh, very hands-on with our chefs. So, um, Folks at home, we're going to share the recipe with you. We're going to take a little bite of the Beef Wellington. My, my dear friend, Tony, I'm going to tell him to pull up a chair because I wanted to have another Brit at the table so I could get <laughs> his verdict because I know he will give an honest answer. So, Tony, grab a fork come on over here, Tony. Don't be shy and uh, tuck into that. Uh, Beef Wellington... Uh, Wellington Wednesdays. So the whole ceremony starts here at what time? What time do you have to show up for your Beef Wellington Wednesday? We slice the Beef Wellington at 7 o'clock, right after I give a little bit of a a little history of the Beef Wellington or the best uh, information that we can find um, and talk about it and talk about what it is, a little bit like we just did here. Sure. Uh, and then we slice it at seven o'clock. Everybody sits down, and then it's usually it's available until it sells out. Yeah. Sometimes it sells out within about thirty minutes. Sometimes we have it for about an hour. But uh, and how, I would recommend getting here at about six thirty if you want to relax and have the whole experience. Now we had the we had the petite Wellington that yes. you made especially for us today. Yes. Uh, how big is your Wellington? And that's the first time I've ever asked a chef that <laughs> in an interview. <laughs> Uh, the Wellington, uh, it's a, so it's a full fillet. So we're talking a full, uh, like three pound serving. Uh, you can you can feed about ten to twelve people with one of yeah. with one piece of meat. I love it. There's a there's a knock on the door. Someone's Maybe. trying again. They know so it's Wellington they, Wednesday. They, they're they they're ready. Well, they want to get in here. Someone at the door. They know it's Wellington Wednesday. Maybe the smell has been wafting out the door, and so, they're just they're they're already coming. Uh, I've got to have a little <laughs> bit of this uh, gravy. Um, so. Oh, someone is. Some really is. A, is is at the door. So, chef, take a little bite here. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in and take and, and take a bite. Here we go. Ooh. Let's see how this is. Mmm. Mmm. Wow. That in one bite. A trip back home. Mm-hmm. Happy food memories from England. Growing up as a kid. Um, I have to ask Tony. Tony, you took a bite. Thoughts? I've made this many times, but never as good as this. The beef is sensational, but that sauce, I'm, I'm going to try the recipe. Well, and to add to it, the pastry. Uh, and I think what makes this dish is that extra layer of, uh, of flavor and texture is, is that lovely pastry crust mushroom on the inside uh, with the beef. I mean, pretty sensational, chef. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. High praise from, it from is two high Brits. Praise. I, I, it's, it's, it's very good. I'm glad if you, if you know Beef Wellington and you say it's one of the better ones you've had. And so we have to be I back here. What time tonight for, for Wellington Wednesday? 7 o'clock. <laughs> 7 o'clock. Uh, chef Blake Askew, so good to uh, hang out with you, Chef. Uh, keep on doing what you're doing. Your passion shows up uh, in every single 
dish that you serve up on a plate. Uh, and, folks, uh, you will enjoy evidence of that if you come to Maybeck's right here on Scott Street in San Francisco. The recipe for the beef wellington and more on Chef Blake's story at cbssf.com and click on Foodie Chap. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. Thank you so much. More beef wellington, please. Please, sir, can I have some more? <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.